Hello, I'm Paula Jenkins, a transformative life coach and retreat leader. Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy, a podcast that talks about the stories of people following their hearts, finding work that lights them up, and looking at how joy plays a part in their journey. To learn more about this podcast, head on over to jumpstartyourjoy.com. And if you want to find out more about me, you can go to my website at paulajenkinsonline.com. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 14 of Jumpstart Your Joy. Today's interview is with Rachel Maddox. She's a life coach, she's a singer-songwriter, and she's a brand new author. Just this last week, she launched her Kickstarter campaign for her book, which is called Secret Bad Girl, and that is so exciting. She and I talk a bit in this interview, which was recorded before the Kickstarter came out and the book was completed, We talk about her journey over the last year as she has worked through personal trauma in her life. And it's really an uplifting and interesting and vulnerable story that I think you will really enjoy. And I totally thank Rachel for being so open and vulnerable and loving with this story that she shares with us. Also, about two-thirds of the way through the episode, she sings one of the songs that she's written, and it's called Shake. The really cool part is that last week she launched her Kickstarter campaign for Secret Bad Girl. I will link that up in the show notes. So head over to jumpstartyourjoy slash Rachel Maddox. And she spells her name R-A-C-H-A-E-L-M-A-D-D-O-X. You'll get more information there about how to support her. She has a lot of really cool bonus materials, including the one that I suggested, which was get in touch with your inner sex goddess. Let me tell you guys, uh, Rachel and I had our session for that today, and I have never had so much fun in my life. (laughs) So I totally encourage you to go support her for a Kickstarter campaign. Along with other things going on, I want to give you guys all a huge thank you for your comments and your feedback. The little podcast is clanking right along and we are still on the what's hot list over at personal journals on itunes so if you have not yet left a review a five-star rating um only of course if you feel like i deserve it but (laughs) uh, head on over to itunes and leave your comments i really really appreciate it and then the other piece that's coming up soon is december 22nd of 2015 I will be doing a live podcast slash webinar and you and I and all our friends are going to sit down and work through our 2016 goals. Uh, I promise it'll be fun. I promise it will be pain free. There'll be some prizes. There'll be some music and you're going to walk away knowing what you want to do, not just 2016, but 2017 and 18. So it's, it'll be really fun. We're going to walk through what I call my 10 and 3. If you would like to sign up for that, head on over to jumpstartyourjoy.com or you could use my text, which is R-E-A-D-Y. And send a little message to 66866. So ready to 66866 and I'll get you signed up. And so yeah, there we go. Without further ado, I bring to you the interview with Rachel Maddox. So today we have an interview with Rachel Maddox, a dear, dear life coach, friend, and amazing and magical creature. (laughs) Welcome to the show, Rachel. Paula, I'm so happy to be here with you. Yay! (laughs) We're giggling because we were already talking about 
what Rachel's been working on uh, most recently. And so I don't know if you want to just dive right in, um, tell us a little bit maybe about what you do, but then we can jump into what is lighting you up currently. Sure. Uh, just to begin, my name is Rachel Maddox, and I'm a life coach. I work with clients one-on-one. I also teach at the Courageous Coaching Training School where Paula went. That's how we met. Super exciting. Mm-hmm. And I'm a songwriter, sometimes go on tour. So that's just like the basic gist of what I do. But what I was, what Paula and I were talking about just prior to jumping on is what I'm moving into more, which is trauma resolution and also sort of like thriving beyond trauma, I think is really a good way of putting it mm-hmm. instead of just healing your trauma, <laughs> but like thriving as somebody who has experienced trauma in the past. Yeah. Yeah. And what kind of trauma are you digging into? If people are curious, like, what does that mean? So, yeah, definitely sexual trauma mm-hmm. is really the main focus and doesn't have to be just women, but um, men and women. And obviously the numbers are skewed and there are more women who experience sexual trauma. So uh, you're sort of asking, like, what is trauma? And mm-hmm. just to briefly answer that, trauma, it, the way I like to think of it is a memory that uh, of some violation that is still living in your body and in your nervous system. So something violating happens, a rape, an assault, an earthquake. And a violation is basically any time something or someone comes into your personal sacred space and either desecrates, steals, takes, harms that sacred self that is you. So if you've been violated, and you weren't able to assert your natural survival instinct all the way, all the way out so that you ended up leaving feeling unscathed. Your body then stores that memory, your body and your nervous system store that memory and you can sort of stay in a state, a slight state of dissociation. And I like to call this the, cl- the trauma cloud. You can be living in a trauma cloud without even necessarily knowing it Um, for a long time after you've experienced trauma, weeks, months, years, decades. And what happens when you're somebody who's living in a trauma cloud, which means that your body's natural survival instinct hasn't come back into normal alignment. You're still sort of living as if this violation never got resolved because it probably didn't. Mm -hmm. Um, And that doesn't necessarily mean like resolve between you and that person, Mm, but like your body didn't necessarily resolve what happened. It didn't shake it all out or scream or do whatever it needed to do to feel like I'm back. Like that happened and I'm Mm -hmm. pushing that out and now I'm back. So because your body never did that, you know, you're sort of misaligned feeling as if that violation is almost still happening. That's trauma. It's that misalignment that's still living in your body. And that's, gosh, all that is so, I mean, and and I've already talked about this. It will be in um, the episode with Molly Larkin. Um, And I just completely bared my soul there about having been through PTSD as part of um, 
a birthing process with my son. And I think some folks are going to hear that, that either know someone who has been through serious trauma or who have been through it themselves and feel like, but that's not what standard therapy is telling us right now in many ways. Like I think I was saying before we started talking, like there's even some forums out there that I've stumbled upon that say like, well, you're always going to be in this disassociated state and, you know, it's really only, you know, it's like a, a disease that you will be harboring now forever because your nervous system has changed. And it sounds like that's, <laughs> I don't know that I believe that's true. <laughs> What's your take on that? Well, that makes me a little bit angry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and what it also makes me think of is that there's a whole school of thought that trauma is, like you said, a mental illness or a disease, and mm-hmm. it's not. It's actually a very natural, healthy response to violation. And it's just an incomplete response to violation. So there's this guy named Peter Levine, and he's really the leading trauma specialist in the world, as far as I'm concerned. And he's got a modality called somatic experiencing. And his philosophy is that trauma, not just his philosophy, but his research is rooted in um, the fact that trauma is happens to the body and lives in the body. And so the healing of trauma has to be through the body Mm. as opposed to um, through psychological approaches. And my sense is that these forms you're talking about are trying to approach trauma psychologically when it's not actually a psychological issue. It's an issue in the nervous system. It's an issue in the body. Mm. And that's where it gets healed and resolved. Yeah. And I think it's so important to start to do this work especially with women. I mean, I want to hold the most highest respect and regard for anyone who's been through trauma. So anything we say here is not to say that it isn't valid in all of its forms mm-hmm. or that your experience with it is not valid. If you're a person listening and you're like, hey, my husband went through it through a war event. Like, yes, that's also very valid. But I think women especially, it's really hard because I don't know that have we been given the permission to say that, yes, that was truly traumatic and have people hear that it was as hard for us, not that it's comparative, but like that it is as hard for us as anybody else when something happens through, I mean, I'll just be brave and say like if it happens through rape or if it happens through childbirth, like mm-hmm. those are still really valid ways of having a very traumatic experience. Completely. And yeah, just to sort of echo what you're saying, any trauma that you're suffering, I think the thing that's hardest about trauma is it can be sort of invisible Mm -hmm. you don't necessarily know that that's what's happening because it is happening in your nervous system so psychologically or mentally you might be thinking like okay I've I've dealt with this emotionally why do I still feel these feelings like why do I still feel so depressed why do I still feel so scared so anxious so insecure um so unsafe Why do I still feel so unsafe when I've done so much work intellectually, emotionally, spiritually even? Mm -hmm. Um, And I I totally believe actually in a holistic approach to healing trauma and resolving trauma. I believe that we do have to come back into our natural alignment of health that's in our bodies, like that that's pivotal. But then once we've done that, we also have to rearrange 
all of the stories and habits that we've created while we were under the trauma spell, while we were under the trauma cloud, Mm -hmm. so that we can actually emerge and live our lives really fully and beautifully. So yeah, trauma is valid on every level, whether it was, you know, a trauma experience in war or a trauma experience (laughs) in, in the bedroom. And it's important, I think, important work, because I don't know, I don't don't understand really, but it feels like women aren't talking about it as much or aren't heard as much, or I guess I don't quite understand if we're talking even just about the term of PTSD, definitely there's more awareness about people that have been in a combat situation and having it over people that get it in or that have, you know, lived through trauma in other ways. That's a good distinction, too, though, because as I've been researching this more, there's something called rape trauma syndrome, and then there's PTSD, and they're not necessarily the same thing. So PTSD often includes flashbacks, like lots of sleepless nights, a really heightened sense of depression or anxiety. Mm -hmm. And then there's rape trauma syndrome, which can happen at different levels. You can have it like really intensely or more basic which I think a lot of people who experience sexual violence, for example, well, it's really hard to group anything into like a normal sure. category because yeah. there's so many levels, right? There's, there's the difference between if you experience sexual trauma at a, like as a child, mm-hmm. um, that's definitely a different story than if you experience it as an adult or even as a teenager. Um, different story if it was something that was ongoing, if it was something that was inside of your family, mm. if it was something that was a one-time experience. So there's just, there's different levels. I think that's part of the reason why when it comes to sexual violence, you don't necessarily associate PTSD because to have PTSD, you probably would have had to experience um, either a very, very violent one-time event or a very, very harmful ongoing event, which is definitely something that people experience. And... I would guess that the majority of women who are experiencing, or humans, I want to just say humans because it's not just women, (laughs) who are experiencing sexual violence um, might experience it as more uh, isolated instances, in which case that's especially when you really don't understand that you've been traumatized. Where does someone start if, if they know they've had trauma you know, where do they start to unpack it if they're listening and saying, yeah, that's right, that's me, I can relate. Where do you think, I mean, where's a good place to start to turn? Yeah, I love that you're asking this question because this is what I'm so excited about. I'm going to answer your question in one second, but what mm-hmm. I want to say is that I'm creating a resource guide, a multimedia resource guide for people who've experienced trauma. One of the things that, I'm, that I've been writing and saying in this guide is that you really have to start wherever you feel safe and comfortable. Knowing that trauma is something that happens in the body and that the primary way to resolve trauma is through the body may come as a big relief to people because a lot of people who've experienced trauma of any kind don't want to retell their story. And that's a big fear when they think Mm -hmm. of healing their trauma, that they might have to tell their story or that telling their story might somehow get someone else in trouble. And these are real deterrents for people to heal. But the good news is you actually don't have to tell your story, retell your story to receive significant healing. It might be something you want to do later on after you've done a ton of work 
in your body. So what I would say is there are a number of places that you could begin. You could begin with, and I would say to start in the body. If you're someone who's really not gone into this territory at all, you might want to start by like going to yoga or getting acupuncture regularly or, or meditating, doing like mindfulness meditation that brings you into your body, like an embodiment meditation. Anything that's going to start bringing your body online and bringing your body into alignment with its most natural form of health. I, at the very beginning of my healing journey, had this feeling. I was out on the Oregon coast for my best friend's birthday, and we were out there, and I just kept doing cartwheels on the sand. Mm -hmm. And I had this feeling like there weren't enough cartwheels in the world for my body. Like, I didn't know what to do, but all I knew was, like, I needed to do more cartwheels. And so I got it in my mind that I wanted to go to adult circus camp. And I'm telling this story because like this to me was a major, this was the beginning of my healing journey, actually. I, and I looked it up and I found this adult circus camp for women in New Mexico. It was women only. And it was, I think they called like their tagline was personal empowerment through the circus arts. And I thought, fuck yeah, like that is <laughs> totally awesome. what I want to do. Yeah. And it was like just a six week camp. And it was over the summer and I was teaching at the time, so I, I could go. So I went, got like a really great little deal on housing. Anyway, it was me saying to myself, my body wants to feel more alive and I'm going to do something that's fun. Meanwhile, maybe a month earlier, I'd gone to an acupuncturist who was like someone who I knew, who's a friend who was going through his acupuncture training and needed people to come. So I went and I had to give him my physical history. And on that sheet, it asked if I'd ever experienced sexual violence. And I was like, fuck. And I really had never told anyone, any professional, like I'd never told a doctor or like, and he was wearing a white coat. So like, to me, I was like, oh, I'm, a, I'm telling someone who's official. And he looked at me and he said, after he read through my history, he said, have you gotten any professional help with this? And I was super ashamed because I'm a life coach and like, I'm in the healing arts. And it was something I had never gotten professional help with. Mm. And I felt so ashamed and embarrassed that I hadn't gotten help that I didn't even really say yes. I was like, well, I'm going to this like all women's empowerment thing for six weeks. And that's like, that's going to help, you know? Yeah. And he was like, okay, well, I just want to really encourage you to get help. And I was like, okay. So it was super emotional for me. Mm -hmm. But I say this because there, that was help. Like going to the acupuncturist helped going to circus camp helped and I didn't have to directly address my trauma. And that's something that he might not have understood. He probably had no, like definitely didn't understand that yeah. because trauma lives in our body and it's healed in our body. So I would say, if you're thinking, where do I start? Like just put your hand on your belly and hand on your heart or go for a walk and walk with the question, mm. like dear body, what do you want? What would feel healing for you? What can I give you permission to have? And maybe it's like a bath seven days a week, or maybe it's circus camp, or maybe it's yoga or acupuncture or dance. But I would start with your body. Mm. That's the first place I would start on one end. The next place I would go is definitely around education. The more education is power. If you're hearing this and you're hearing me talk about trauma and you're like, what? That's trauma? And you're like, what? 
I would get the book Waking the Tiger by Peter Levine. It's a seminal book about trauma. Explains what trauma is, how it lingers, why it lingers, and how it resolves. And I feel like that is super empowering just to have language to understand that what you're experiencing is trauma. And then if you do those things, or you can really start in any place. Start wherever you want. That's also number one rule. You yeah. are in charge of your healing. Do what feels safest um, and most like magnetic. So the last just beginner kind of place I might start is working with a somatic experiencing practitioner, somebody who you can go to in person, who specifically has been trained to work with the body with trauma. And when you go to a somatic experiencing practitioner, you do not have to tell them your story. You can if you want to, but you don't have to. You could have a whole hour-long session that's essentially body energy breathing work that will help bring your body back into alignment, bring it online, and eventually you'll have releases and you'll walk away feeling like you got your body back and you didn't even necessarily know it was missing. Mm. So that's where I would say to go. Thank you. That's mm-hmm. all, yeah, that's beautiful stuff. And I, I think having been through the kind of the fight of realizing, oh, my gosh, I think I need help, mm-hmm. but I don't know how. Um, I think the only thing I would add is just, you know, so much love for that person that's in that moment and mm-hmm. knowing that they need help. That's a really hard place. And kudos to you for having the courage to say, I need the help. Seriously. And it gets easier. It does. I know that isn't probably, I mean, it sounds cheesy, but it's true. It gets easier once you've made a step in, in any direction that seems right. So it's true. Yeah. It's so true. That is so true. And I wish I had understood that trauma was something that you heal through the body, like intellectually, because, or I wish I had gone to a somatic experiencing practitioner up front. Mm. Because all of these things, these supplemental things I did prepared me probably and really were helpful. But there was nothing like working with somebody who was trained to resolve trauma. Like, so I just want to sort of say, like, there's a whole network of people who are trained to help you, you know? Yes. Um, And yes, exactly what you're saying. Just like, oh, man, it is such a hard spot to be in. And it's so scary because there's often so much shame. And I think it's just the nature of trauma that it's this hidden thing, that it's not something that lives in your psychology, but because it's something that lives in your body, we, we kind of grow shame around it without even knowing it because we don't know, we don't understand why we're so stuck. Mm-hmm. And if it is sexual trauma, then you know, there's all of the blame, all of the ways that we feel ashamed that it happened to us or maybe that we somehow participated in it happening to us. So Mm. just are all the hurt that can come along with that. So yeah, it's a lot, it's a big territory to go into. And maybe we'll just end with this because there's this one other thing I really want to say about trauma, which is that, and this is sort of hopeful. Mm -hmm. Well, Maybe there's two things. One mm-hmm. of the hopeful things is if you've experienced trauma, what that means is the part of your nervous system that most humans in 2015 never accessed 
because they don't have to, because they're not in the wild fighting for their lives. When that part of your nervous system comes online, it also comes with all of this intelligence, depth, and access to sensitivity and emotion that other people might never have. And so when you resolve your trauma, you don't lose access to that form of intelligence, which is actually super fucking cool. It means that you may have a greater depth of awareness, greater sensitivity, greater access to deeper emotions than the average human. And it's sort of inconvenient when you're still in the trauma spell because you're feeling everything more intensely than the average human. But when you resolve your trauma, you have all of the power of your nervous system, which is very, very cool. So Mm -hmm. people who resolve from trauma often can go on to be like brighter shining stars than people who never experienced it. So that's kind of cool. Like, yeah. All right. I'll take it. Right? <laughs> everything I've been through, I will take that. I mean, I think kind of not to even cheesily tie it back to the, the theme of the podcast, but I think having lived through it myself, just what you said, in fact, I didn't even, I'd never had words for that, but that there's a deeper joy. There is a such a wider patience for things. And I can't really explain it other than I, it's kind of, exciting (laughs) to be able to feel things much more intensely but like yeah I think the joy is more possible once those things are resolved because you know exactly I don't know what you want in a way and you become more clarified on like what's really important the other piece to this is I've got this metaphor for trauma right now for healing and resolving trauma which I'm really like grokking and it's sort of like something that came to me after doing a voice lesson with somebody that was much more like a breathing lesson. And she had us inhale all the way. And she did this really awesome breathing thing where like you went all the way down your spine, the back of your skull. And like that to me, this inhale, this healing, this sort of like deep creating of space in your body. I like to think of the inhale as everything that we've been talking about. Like this creating of space so that your your body can come back into realignment, into its natural health. But then the coolest part about this breathing lesson that I got was she was saying, when we exhale, most of us like inhale and then exhale and just like drop our shoulders or kind of compress our body, you know, like scrunch in a little bit. She was saying that on our exhale is when we actually ought to expand like in our chest and almost even open your arms and like, open your chest and move into the space that you've created with your inhale. And so this is the metaphor I like to think of with trauma resolution, because as you inhale and you do all this healing, if you just exhale and compress, you're going to want to inhale again and do more healing and exhale and compress. And it's sort of like this cycle of perpetual healing, perpetual woundedness, perpetual victimhood, whatever. But if you can expand into your breath, if you can open your chest, open your arms and take up the space that you've created for yourself by living what brings you joy, by singing into your, into your joy, by allowing yourself to now walk into the world with more confidence that you have, with the confidence that you now have. Like that part is so important because then you're creating this cycle of actually allowing yourself to become bigger, fuller, more joyful, more um, effective and like helpful in the world, as opposed to just sort of staying in your internal cycle. 
So that's what I'm really, really excited about. And I think that's the only reason why I can do this work. Because if I were just focused on healing what's been hurt Mm -hmm. and not also focused on expanding into the light that we create through our healing, I wouldn't want to do the work. I would be like, this is too depressing, you know? So I want to be able to, and I am in my own life, practicing moving into that space that all of this healing has created, allowing myself to to sing, to dance, to be joyful, to connect with people more vulnerably, to take more risks, you know, to actually step into the power that I've trained for. So that's my whole spiel on trauma. And I'm so excited. I'm um, creating this guide. I'm so excited to have it and put it out in the world and proliferate the coaching industry with these concepts and just help people who are who are struggling so deeply to come all the way alive to live their aliveness i'm just so excited about it it's gorgeous and loving and lovely and yeah i cannot wait to see what it is thanks oh it's so much fun to talk about thanks for you're so engaged i love it (laughs) well i mean uh, i can't help but be i mean you're so engaged with it and so excited (laughs) about it like it's hard not to be at least even from that level, I will also say that whatever um, it is, I feel like our paths are meant to cross and continue to intertwine here because I'll just share about that, that exercise we did at the retreat, like the very first day we met and you said, what was the writing prompt that we were supposed to write down? Will you share that part? Yeah, I think what it was is I had, I did a little heart meditation with people that expanded people's hearts. And then I think they just listened for whatever it was that, you know, because the program is the courageous coaching training program. Mm -hmm. So it was, what does your heart want the courage to do? And my two answers. And when I went back, I nearly burst into tears. My two answers. One was learn to love like St. Francis. Ah, loving. I know. And two was to, what did I say? To lovingly fight PTSD. Hmm. And when I said that, it scared the shit out of me because I was like, oh, kind of like you were saying, kind of to go back earlier about like, I don't want to have to talk about that. And this is only I mean, folks, this is like 10 months ago at this point. So <laughs> for if you go back and listen to the Molly Larkin episode, holy cow, to be able to come that far, even if you want to just follow somebody else's journey on it. Like, mm-hmm. so I think it one things are very possible and can change relatively quickly, but just that idea that those were two things that my heart was thinking about and wanted to share. And I would never have imagined that that was what was going to be written on that paper. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. and then I wanted to run from it. I was like, Oh crap. No, not that. Totally. Yeah, totally. And similarly, mine was, I have the courage to love my power, which is very related to trauma. You know, as someone who's experienced trauma, there's sort of this addiction to powerlessness or a default to powerlessness that happens because to be to be powerful like to be in the spotlight to be in the center can feel super threatening mm-hmm. you know very dangerous place to be in your power like anybody could take try to take you out it's like becoming a target or something so i felt that very viscerally in my body like terror and similarly you know these 10 months of this year was just for me all about trauma resolution and after working with this trauma specialist, like that fear of being in my power, I mean, I just don't even feel it anymore. Like I feel 
I have challenges. There are things that are still hard about that for me. Um, but they're more like habits than a deep embodied fear of like, oh, that's terrifying. Like, no, I'm like, yeah, I totally want to be in my power. Okay, how can I do that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that's the good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Rachel, you're awesome. You are awesome. Well, cool. Should we segue? I, I mean, I have got a bunch of questions, but I don't know. Do you want to talk more about your coaching as it stands now? Or, I nah. mean, I would. Nah. <laughs> I mean, I do coaching. I can work with anybody. <laughs> yeah. You know, like I work with people. I look at, I, I really help them investigate who they are being, who they are showing up in showing up as in their lives today, whatever categories matter to them and who they really want to be showing up as in order to like live into whatever their vision of their life is. And I have a very method methodological approach with people. I mean, I have tons of somatic training, like training in a lot of different realms, Mm -hmm. but with my ongoing clients, I really work on um, shifting your way of being and it's it's very deep work. It's very um, structured and safe, and it works. It's amazing. It's I think the structure really holds, like makes the transition possible. We figure out what what developmental edges are at, and what kinds of practices would flex those developmental edges, all under the umbrella of, you know, what you're really most longing to shift in your life. So it's so much fun. I love doing that. I know you went on a tour this summer and I got to see you in San Francisco and what inspired your, your tour and, and how was it and what did you love the most about it? Yeah. So this was super fun, right? Because, well, I'll give a tiny bit of a backstory, which is this winter I had vaginal melanoma. So I had to get surgery on my vagina Mm. and what that, brought up all of my trauma from my teenage years that I hadn't dealt with. And so finally it was like, oh, fuck, I need real professional help. And then the coolest result of getting all of this help was I started singing a lot more. I've been singing and writing songs for the past two years, only two years, which is pretty exciting considering like, oh, that's pretty good. (laughs) You know, like (laughs) I feel good about myself. But um, having this melanoma and then having the surgery and then having to do my trauma work I just going back to that idea that women have two voices it's like I got my my actual voice back Mm. and for years I have been I've been wanting to do a tour of some sort I've like made maps I've made plans I've made announcements and they never Mm. happened so you know (laughs) like I had this idea again that I wanted to do a tour and I was like, eh, this doesn't usually work when I try, but for some reason I feel like this might work now that I have music. So I was talking to a friend of mine and I was like, what should I call this tour? And he was like, well, it feels like it's your dream. Maybe you should just call it the dream tour. And I was like, huh, okay, that sticks. One of the things I said while I was on this tour is I told people this little story about how I wanted to do a tour all these years. It never came together. And then finally, like, the missing link showed up, which is my music. And all of the momentum came and it was like, I was finally ready to do the tour. So one of the things I like to say about dreams is sometimes they have a lifeline of their own. 
And like you think that it's, it's supposed to happen now, but it really isn't. It's really supposed to happen five years from now. And you can only kind of find that out by experimenting and listening to your guidance and noticing where there's energy flowing and where things get shut down. And when things get shut down, trusting, it's because it's really not meant to happen right now. So that's one thing about dreams that I would say. The other part, which was really fun, was um, I've been making this music, but I really didn't think anything of it. I was just sort of like, whatever, it's just my music. My best friend's a singer-songwriter. My brother's a music teacher. They're both kind of like prodigious with music. And so I never really thought of myself as somebody who could have music be a dream of mine. But I had two experiences that kind of shifted things for me. One was that on my 28th birthday, I got together with this Cuban musician who I'd met in Florida down on a beach. And we played our songs for each other. And he was a beautiful, like, beautiful man, a professional musician. Like, we totally had the hots for each other for, like, five minutes. <laughs> and we played music for each other, our own original songs. And after I played my songs to him, he, like, stopped and looked at me and was like, oh, you're an angel. Like, is this what you're doing professionally? And I was like, no, are you kidding me? Like, no. But he was like, you have to do your music. And it was my birthday, so I thought, like, Hearing somebody tell me I had to do my music was like really the best birthday gift I could have ever gotten. Mm. And then I went to California and like did a retreat for this lady. I brought my ukulele. I, I played baritone ukulele. I brought that on a whim. I guided them in meditation and like did this sacred photography stuff with them. And then I also played some of my songs. And they were like, you know, the meditation was great. The animal card readings were great all this stuff was great, but your music, oh my God, your music was so intimate and touching. Like you have to do your music. Mm. So again, I'm hearing this message and I like to think that sometimes our truest dreams are the dreams that we've been ordained to do. And I just, every time I shared my music with people, I started hearing, you have to do your music. Sort of like it was an ordination from God or something, you know, like yeah. do your music, do your music. So sometimes like the dream is dreaming you. Sometimes it's coming into form and it's not what you expected it would be. It's, it's actually better than you could have let yourself dream for yourself. And let me tell you, like there's nothing more fun for me than playing music. So it's been a total gift to embrace. Oh, that's, so, that's such good stuff. Yeah. And seeing you is so awesome because I, I will, and we'll link this up, but you did a music video maybe like in May or so mm -hmm. of a song that was breathtaking. And I like sat on the couch and listened to it like five times. I could not get enough. <laughs> and then to hear you sing it in person was so like just yummy. Like I can't, I don't know words for it really. But yes, mm. it's, it is dreamy to see you in action. So did you do a uh, a gig, if you, you will, at Burning Man with your with your music? I did. I did like a sunrise. I played as the sun was coming up at, at center camp, which is sort of like the cafe in the center of Burning Man. And it was sweet. It was like at 640 a.m. or something. So there was like hardly anyone there. But it was still just really sweet. And I felt I was like playing for everyone at the, you know, all the baristas that were working. And there were people who had stumbled in from being up all night who were kind of like sleeping and waking up in between songs. It was just really nice. Yeah, that's gorgeous. Mm -hmm. What a lovely place to sing. I have totally. It sounds so, so dreamy. Should I play a song? Would you like to? I would love that. Sure. 
So because we've been talking about trauma a lot, there's this song I wrote called Shake. Mm. And it just feels really fitting. It's it's definitely um definitely a trauma song. Although if you're listening to it, you might not necessarily think of it that way, but now that you know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
but holy. Mm, that was good stuff. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, that song feels so good to play in the context of talking about trauma, you know. Yeah, it and it is gorgeous, and I love that it's kind of coming full circle on the the notion that yes, there you know people can live through the trauma, and and then as you're calling perhaps calling your course resolve it, and then the openness for joy and love and feeling all the things that comes out of that is just breathtaking. Mm. So. Mm-hmm. So exciting. Yeah. So mm-hmm. That song, yes. Thank you. I had tears in my eyes. Oh, <laughs> such a gift to play. <laughs> yes. If somebody wants to find you and they want to work with you, they want to learn more, where would they go to find that information? Let me just go right over to my website, which I'm sure you're going to link to, but it's <laughs> rachelmaddox.com. People can schedule a 30-minute chat with me for free. Awesome. Which is super fun. We can just get on the phone and talk about trauma or talk about anything, talk about music, talk about sex, talk about God, talk about money, talk about a new paradigm, talk about it all. Um, so just come over to my website. I'm really accessible. You can shoot me an email, anything. Follow me on Instagram. I might quit Facebook forever, so I'm not going to say follow me on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Facebook. <laughs> yeah, That's I'm, a whole different discussion, isn't it? Yeah. I think I'm at the end of Facebook. Yeah. Well, and thank you so much for all the courage and love and magic you bring just to everything. Thank you. you. Paula, you are so delightful. Like, (laughs) for people listening, like, you, I just want you to know, and also just, like, you're such a great, you're so great at doing this, but I think what it is is that you're just, you're so personable, you're so real, you're so connected, and um, this is definitely definitely been a very delightful experience yeah. knowing you is delightful likewise yes yes there's something about uh thank you for the the lovely comments i do soak them up um <laughs> yeah the thing one of my core desired feelings that i'm going whole hog on is enraptured so i'm just letting myself fall in love with anything that comes my way so. i love that and i saw <laughs> that and i actually have to comment on that because um there is this book called Gene Keys, Gene as in genetics, like G-E-N-E, Keys. And you get like a chart based on your birth information mm-hmm. um, with like your life work, your vocation, your all these things. But rapture is both my life work and my vocation, which is like mm-hmm. two. And to have a double in anything is a pretty big deal. So when you keep talking about rapture, I'm like, oh, man, do I ever know about rapture? Like. <laughs> Yeah, so I want to just almost send you personally the like the defi- the way he talks about what rapture is, and mm-hmm. he ca- he calls it burning bliss. Like, oh yeah, that um, belonging, this concept of belonging, is to be your longing, to be your longing, to like allow yourself to surrender so deeply into what you're longing for that you become it. And you're like just this burning bliss ball of like love with what is, with what you're longing for. So I'm into that as your thing. And maybe that's why we're really connecting because we've both got the rapture vibe. Yeah. Yeah, that is juicy. I like the belonging. That is sexy right there. <laughs> right? <laughs>
so long I was like, no, that's, you know, there's something about me that wants to be the good girl. I don't know where that comes from. Well, I probably do know where that comes from. But, like, but there's something so tempting and, and by sensuous listeners, I don't mean necessarily sexy, but, like, delightful and just, I don't know, juicy and good and, like, just allowing yourself to feel all the way through every feeling. Like, just, Mm -hmm. there's something good about that. So that's what I'm after right now. Love it. (laughs) Core desired feelings are, of course, Danielle Laporte. We'll link it up, but... If you don't know what we're talking about, yeah, look into it, and uh, it's fun. Mm-hmm. Feel like going after that instead of a goal. <sighs> okay, so if um, someone listening has a big dream about how they could make a change in the world, what advice would you give them about bringing their dream into action? Um, I would say to be it. You know, I gave the story about the dream, right? So it's yeah. sort of like sometimes dreams have a lifeline of their own and sometimes the dream is dreaming you like list, like there's it's a vocation or an ordination that's being called from you. But I think the biggest thing is to let yourself sort of like be your longing, like to be your dream. Um, even if it's small, like to think about what is the calling inside of this dream? You know, I for a really long time have had this dream of like building circular straw bale houses and living on the land. But there's a calling. There's a difference between a dream and a vision and a calling. And your calling isn't necessarily too, isn't the same thing as the dream. The calling is, I have a calling to be with nature. I have a calling um, for a spiritual life. I have a calling for deep, alive, for the aliveness that comes from being connected to the natural world. So to, to sort of tease out the two and say, okay, I've got this vision of this dream, this concrete thing that looks like the dream. And what is your calling? Why is that dream there? Um, what are your values that that dream aligns with? And just understanding that because like for me, understanding that this dream, this dream of having like having and living in a circular straw house in the land, it's, it's actually about sensuality too. Like for me to live inside of like, for lack of better words, like a mud hut, I feel like it would feel so sensual for me to be like waking up inside of the earth every day. Mm-hmm. It's, it's about sen- like my calling is to sensuality. My calling is to aliveness and to connection with the natural world. So when I know that, then I can be that calling right now. I don't have to wait for the dream out there. I can start incorporating being connected to the natural world as a very big part of my daily life. I can start looking for ways to do that thing. And then you start meeting more people who have the same dream or might be able to help you. So that's what I would say. I would say figure out what the, co- the personal calling is inside of the dream and ask yourself how you can be that calling every day. And the dream will come, like the dream has a lifeline of its own. Mm. And it, it might even have its own idea that it might, sh- it might change. So I think it's more important to follow the calling inside of the dream than the dream itself. That is so very well put. Thank you. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love the nature of like synchronicity and I don't know, and that the dream may not have totally revealed itself yet, yeah. but it will, it will in time and at the right time, you will know what it is. Ooh, it's like a present from the future. 
<laughs> yes, totally. I, I love, love that. that. Mm-hmm. Oh. oh, what's your dream right now? Oh, gosh. Well, to be enraptured <laughs> is one of them. Mm-hmm. Like, to figure out what that thing means and, like, how it can be involved in, I'll say business, but I mean in, like, what I do for a living. Because I love what you've just said about, like, the dream is that ordination in a way, because I mean, my background is religious studies. And for a long time, I even wondered, did I want to be literally ordained? Mm -hmm. And I've danced with that idea and it has never stuck. So that isn't the dream. But I think my dream is to heal, Um, heal the world outside of the church is what I believe I've been ordained to do. If that sounds crazy. (laughs) Um, but it it has to do with loving like St. Francis. (laughs) Well, I'm just so curious for you and, you know, we can talk about this some other time or maybe now if you feel like it, but just rapture, enraptured. Um, like if you could visualize yourself enraptured, how would you look? What would that look like? How would you walk through the world? How would you feel in your body? What are some of the things that you would do regularly? Who would your friend like? Who would your yeah. friends be? What kind of friends would you have? Just mm-hmm. to sort of really tease that out. Yeah, what's, I like that. What's your favorite color when you're in rapture? You know, <laughs> just like really playing with that and teasing that out. And for yeah. anybody who's listening, like maybe you don't have a, a dream that's like very idyllic or a picture, sort of like I was saying, but you have something more like Paula, who's like, I know this feeling I want. So then to sort of tease that out, how does that look? Um, Sort of like if you have a clear vision, maybe to root it back into your your calling. And if you have a clear calling to tease it out into a vision, just to sort of find those middle grounds, like how do I walk with this? Mm, Yeah. And that's funny because I'm probably more – I mean, there's things like little visions that I love, but I don't know if that's going to be like a lead to where I want to go, but – I don't know, like falling in light is what is where my head goes and walking in yellow. And <laughs> like, these are all crazy things, but like, that's what in rap. Well, I would just definitely get some yellow dresses if I were you, <laughs> you yes. know, like totally. Yes. Mm-hmm. Maybe I need to paint the front door yellow too. That would Do be it. Awesome. See, yeah. this is exactly how dreams work. Yeah. Not, I mean, even if you think of the dream time, like in terms of shamanic teachings, they talk yeah. about the dream time and you're, you're leaving the ordinary world and you're moving into the dream world where things happen at different speeds. Things happen um, like things, impossible things can happen. Mm-hmm. And so the concept of dreams, you know, we have these ideas of like, what is our dream? It's sort of like a vision, but then there's also the dream world, which is where magical things happen. So if you want to play with the dream world, you start listening to these intuitions that you're getting, these downloads you're getting, like yellow, I don't know what that's about, falling, I don't know what that's about, and you you listen to your guidance. So you're getting guidance around yellow. You paint your door yellow. You do it. <laughs> yeah. Buy the yellow dresses. Yeah. You keep listening for more guidance, and the more you listen to the guidance, the more guidance reveals itself to you. And then you're really in the dream world because you're following the dream trail, and that's what I like to call the Celestine prophecy of everything, which is how I refer to my life. <laughs> like, <laughs> that is the way I live a lot of times. Yeah. I keep following the open resonance 
like as if my life's a river, like where is it taking me? And sometimes it takes me to a place I don't want to be, but I know like this is where there's the resonance and I have to stay here mm-hmm. or I have to like follow this because anything else would be me pushing for life to be different than it is. Okay, let's do our last question. Okay. Um, what are three ways you can think of to jumpstart joy in your life, in the world, or in other people's lives? For me, anytime I pick up my instrument and actually play a whole song, I feel better. So mm-hmm. for me, like anything where energy moves through my whole body, sex, music, running, showering, like anything where my whole body gets like to experience something is definitely, it's definitely, I mean, it's related to the trauma thing. It's saying like, I've got this whole body. It has resolved its trauma. Now it gets to play. Mm. So that's like huge for me. Huge, huge, huge dancing. Like anything where I feel like my whole body is engaged. I'm a happy lady. Um, And I think that's important. I think that's so important. Like today in society, if you're feeling grumpy, like your body probably has not gotten any like enough attention enough time to play like we are not creatures that are meant to sit all day every day we are creatures that were designed to walk to climb to swim like we're designed to move when we don't move like our energy gets stuck so I would definitely say movement or a way to move energy through your body is definitely like big number one um number two being around like-minded people. This is a big one for me right now. This is something I'm definitely lacking in my life. After all my trauma stuff, I moved home to my parents' house, like with the cancer stuff, and haven't moved out yet. And I'm a little bit more isolated than I would prefer to be. And I, every time, every chance I can, I surround myself with people who inspire me and motivate me and who I feel like are just on the same wavelength. Like to me, there's nothing better than being around peers so just being able to play with other people who get what you get this a little bit more like life coachy sounding which whatever but I really think gratitude like being in a constant state of noticing what you want to like what you can appreciate it it's not just good for your psychology it's good for your body and I'm all about the body as we know but like somatically our negative thoughts or the things that we take for granted can actually translate into our bodies and um, appreciate, like take stock of what's good, especially the things that you're like most often complaining about. Like for a long time, I had this complaint that my parents didn't support me in like for my work or whatever. And I started to get, I got this like foot stress fracture in my left foot. And I was like, what the fuck? So I'm looking up like the somatic, you know, um, correlations. And it's all about not feeling supported. And the left side represents the feminine. And so I'd been complaining about being in the suburbs, which is like not feeling supported by this part of Mother Earth. And my mom, especially, I felt really a big strain between us. And so I was going on these runs and I just decided to meditate on like how appreciative I felt how supported I felt by my mom, like all the ways that my mom actually does support me, all the ways that this earth supports me. And within like, you know, two runs, my foot was perfect. Hmm. And so I just think that our, I mean, thoughts create things. So gratitude, like appreciation, 
especially for the things that we have the most complaints about, like turn them on their side, ask how it's not true, like look for what is good and, you know, work to change what you can change. But, and the last thing is forgiveness, man, but that's a whole other story. (laughs) Yeah. Forgiveness really does change everything. It does. It really does. So much more access to joy when you can forgive, you know, it's a little bit of a different, it's a whole nother thread, but when it comes to like to really ask yourself, well, what is right? Is it right to continue making war or is it right to find a way to have compassion, enough compassion for yourself to say, I give up the war. Mm. I can still say what hurt. I can still like look at it and say this, this hurt, that hurt. And I heard recently Carolyn Miss said, um, forgiveness is choosing to not pass on your suffering. It's not necessarily saying what you did was okay. It's saying, I'm not going to pass my suffering on to you, to others, or to myself. I'm going to let my suffering go. Mm. And what do I need to do to let my suffering go? Maybe I need to talk to you and just say, look, I just want you to know I've been suffering around this. And nothing needs to change between us. Nothing needs to change about you. I just want you to know I'm letting my suffering go. I forgive you. Or, you know, maybe you just have that conversation with yourself. I just need the universe to know. I need myself to know. I am no longer going to suffer about this because the suffering is making me sick. So Mm -hmm. I let my suffering go and I will not pass it on. I will not tell this story from the perspective of the victim. I will not um, let my bad mood out on someone else. Whatever it is, I will let myself, I will not pass my suffering on. I choose to let the suffering go and to forgive so I can be open to joy. And it is a choice. Mm-hmm. And it's a hard one, but yeah, that's gorgeous stuff. Mm-hmm. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Rachel. Is there anything else Thank you would you. like to add or I don't know? I'm just so excited for you. I just, like, you are just a shining star and um, sending love and <laughs> trust. Lots of love and trust. Oh, thank you guys. And thank you, Rachel, so much for that amazing interview. It's just such a delight to get to talk to her. She has such an uplifting attitude. And I really appreciate all of your vulnerability and openness. And of course, wish you the very best for the Kickstarter campaign. If you guys want more information, the show notes for this one is jumpstartyourjoy.com slash Rachel Maddox also be on the front page of jumpstartyourjoy.com we'd love to hear your feedback and uh, leave a message for Rachel or find out how you can support her for the Kickstarter campaign and now the big announcement for next week Uh, fingers crossed knock on wood I have an interview coming up with Allison Arngrim who plays Nellie Olson (laughs) of Little House on the Prairie And let me just tell you, I could not be more excited to talk to the meanest girl in the world. (laughs) So come on back next week, and I promise it's just an amazing good time with Allison. And so until then, I hope that your days are filled with so much joy.